Hello, and welcome to NANCAST. I'm Jill, your host. NAN believes that research drives the practice of neonatal nursing. For this reason, NAN strives to provide avenues for members to become more active in accessing, understanding, conducting, and practicing research in evidence-based neonatal care. What is NAN doing to propel neonatal nursing in the future? How is NAN leading the initiative of growing the pillar of research? Medea and Tiffany are back today to continue NANCAST's special research series and their mission to make research more accessible to fellow neonatal nurses. Remember, all it takes is one question to improve patient outcomes. Joining them today is Dr. Leslie Parker, who has a dual position at the College of Nursing and the College of Medicine at the University of Florida, where she is an associate professor. She is also a nurse practitioner in the NICU at UF Health. She has been involved in human milk research for nearly two decades and focuses on improving milk production in mothers of critically ill and premature infants. She is funded by the National Institutes of Health for her team's work regarding neonatal nutrition, including the risk of feeding tube contamination, risks and benefits of gastric residual evaluation, and optimizing consumption of breast milk for premature infants. Let's get right into it. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know a lot of neonatal nurses that are members of NAN or read about NAN know that they are very involved in nursing research and driving the profession forward. What is NAN doing as an organization to continue that drive? Well, thanks for having us today, Jill. And yeah, you know, NAN has this overarching research institute steering council, which is called RISC. And we happen to have the the chair of this RISC committee, Dr. Leslie Parker, here to talk more about what is RISC and how does NAN do all the research things they do under RISC? Thank you very much. Um, Again, I'm Leslie Parker, and I'm so happy to be here And I think that is a phenomenal question because there is some confusion about what is risk. And I was on risk for quite a while before I really had a clear understanding about what the purpose of risk actually was. And I kind of see it as an overreaching umbrella. So NAN has the research committee. They have the small grants committee. They have the NAN summit. And they kind of work in silos and they are all important in promoting research at NAN. However, there needs to be quite a bit of crosstalk between all of these committees to really further NAN in the direction that we want it to. So what RISC does, it's kind of takes those silos, bring them together and make sure that everybody is on the same page. How do we want to focus research in NAN through small grants, through the research committee, and through the NAN summit? Because we all kind of want to have the same goal. So that's how I see the purpose of risk as an overarching organizational council. How long um, has risk been around or actually how long have you been on uh, risk and can kind of talk about the history a little bit. Well, I have been the chair. I am going on my fourth year and I was have been on the council for two years prior to that. And 
it really, again, came around to kind of organize and so that name can reach its goal. And I think one of the things that I'm excited about talking today is trying to reach out to bedside nurses. And I think that's one thing that we really struggle to get involved with some of the research committees and council councils that NAN is involved with. Bedside nurses are integral to advancement of research in the neonatal intensive care unit. And I don't often feel that they really understand how integral they are. There are so many questions at the bedside and so many ways that neonatal bedside neonatal nurses can further the research goals of NAN. And so oftentimes the committees are going to have people with PhDs and people with DNPs, people with masters who are nurse practitioners, but we really struggle in all of the areas of research at NAN to have that bedside nurse. And so I would really strongly encourage any bedside nurse to give any one of us, send us an email, find out where they could start volunteering where could they get their feet wet? Because we really want bedside nurses. That's that's who Nan is, our bedside nurses. That's so true, Leslie. I think what you're what you just said um, just flashed a memory in my head. I have had a few conversations this week with other nurse practitioners and um, and NP students, and talking about projects that they're interested in or things that they want to work on. And your name came up. Um, in our conversations, because I think one of them was working on um, NG tubes and the frequency of changing them out. And um, I had mentioned, you should just reach out to Leslie Parker. If you're, if, if you're looking at her papers and you have a question, email her. She's the chair of risk, and I'm actually going to have a call with her this week. So you should reach out to her. So I really appreciate you mentioning that. Um, in this discussion as well. And I feel like I, I bring it up a lot. Like people just reach out to those researchers. That's what we're here for. We're here to help. And I think that's a really good point. People become intimidated, which, which in my mind seems, why would any, why would I intimidate anybody? That just seems ridiculous in my mind. But I think then I put myself on the other side of it. I am, I'm intimidated by some of the people that i that I am looking towards in the field. I'm like, oh, I can't talk with them. You know, so what comes around goes around. But I, I think that reaching out to people and discussing your ideas, where could you go with this? What are the pros and cons? Can you take a little piece of this? I think is very, very important. And so some of the work that I really do is very integral to what nurses do because I look at what's going on in the unit and what are we doing? Because, oh, and you ask the nurses, well, why do you do that? They're like, I don't know. We just do it that way. So how often do you change feeding tubes? I don't know. Like the package says maybe 30 days. We don't really know, but this unit does it every other day. This unit does it every two weeks. This unit does it every seven days. So we're just making decisions based on what we feel like we're going to do that day. And I don't think that makes good bedside nursing care. So that's really what I want to focus, I have focused my career on is answering those questions of why are we doing it? What is the best practice for our babies in the intensive care unit? I've also really, 
tried to bring in bedside nurses and and mentor them in my unit is what I'm talking about, mentor them in some ways to do research. So I put them on my papers and really talked about what is what are the things that nurses need to look at? How do you put in a feeding tube? What is the best way to verify the placement? How are you supposed to be doing oral care? All of these things are not well grounded in research. And those are nursing tasks. And that's the realm of nursing. And we as nurses need to figure that out. As a bedside nurse, I really appreciate how you incorporate uh, the actual bedside nurse in, in having those questions and driving their thoughts further into more research because to have someone to mentor you and to really take you forward with your question is very invaluable, especially, you know, when you're a bedside nurse, because, you know, not every unit really supports nursing research, but to have physicians, nurse practitioners, drive it forward and make nurses realize that they are catalysts for change, the bedside nurse. And and I think that really drives people forward and empowers them to continue research. Once you see one nurse make a change, it's, oh, what can I do, you know, to improve patient outcomes? And that's a a really great environment and culture to work in. Um, And it really, um, I think, makes nurses very empowered um, that they can make a difference. When I think it helps them own their scope too, their scope of practice, like in the NICU, I feel like there's so many differences in among different units on what nurses sort of take over as their scope. And so just as Leslie is doing that um, with her research, diaper dermatitis is totally a nursing management piece. And so some of, and most of my work is empowering the nurse to then empower the parents or, you know, to own that practice because, you know, the doctor's not the one putting that stuff on their butts every diaper change. You know, we really need to have this cycle of um, feedback and input from the bedside nurse to the researcher, to the practitioner, to the provider to get things done. I I agree a hundred percent. And it should be nursing domain there. It w- it's very difficult for a researcher or a physician to monitor or to really understand. Like, I, to be honest with you, me as a nurse practitioner, I look at their behinds every time I do an examination, but I don't look at it every three hours. So I don't have that much information about dermatitis, diaper dermatitis. And I also think that a couple of things are important. Number one, no one can do research in the NICU without the support of nursing. No, not even the chief of neonatology can do research because it takes nurses to help with the research. It helps. They have to do a, the specimens. They have to figure out when the baby's going to be able to have an intervention. They need to tuck that baby back in. So doing research without the collaboration of nurses, it, you're going to fail. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And I, I think the other thing that we uh, as researchers in NAN and the research committees and different silos in NAN, one of the things that we really want to focus on is that evidence-based practice and quality improvement projects 
are extremely important in moving the science that nurses do forward. And so bedside nurses do quality improvement all of the time and evidence-based practice all of the time. And I think moving for nurse bedside nurses moving forward with those initiatives is incredibly important. I completely agree. And I am so excited that you brought up how, yes, it is the bedside nurse that you have to get on board, all of them. Uh, and if you want to do any research or any QI or any EBP in, in your unit. So I always recommend food and make sure you remember the night shift. So don't just bring food for the day shift, but also bring food for the night shift. As a night shift nurse, I very appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I have echoed those same sentiments to researchers. And one of the things that I find uh, is a kind of a story about nurses. And so one of the hardest parts, I did a, a large study looking at gastric residuals. And so it was a randomized trial where babies either had their normal care where we did a gastric residual prior to every feeding and versus not doing it unless they clinically really needed it. And you can imagine who was really concerned about this was the nursing staff. So it took months to really educate and talk with them. And it was funny because in the beginning, I was concerned that they would do the gastric residuals and not chart it and not tell anybody. And at the end of that study, they had so changed their practice to where they hated doing gastric residuals that I was worried they would not do the gastric residuals when they were supposed to. So I really spent an enormous amount of time educating and supporting and encouraging the nursing staff with what are we doing? What is the purpose and what they need to do if they don't do what the protocol is? then it would change the, the outcome of the research. And so they're just so important. So we've been talking recently about the research agenda and what um, kind of topics or themes that we want to, as a, as a council and filter down to the each committee, how we want to, um, topics that we want to discuss as NAN. So, you know, we'll say that it will be, um, topics that will be at the annual conference and topics that we will focus on um, for small grants. And um, can can you talk a little bit about uh, that process and, and if people are excited about that and what the council has, has thought about these um, up and coming changes? Thank you, Tiffany. I think that it's extremely important for Nan to have specific pillars or focuses of where we want to move forward with research, with evidence-based practice, with quality improvement, because it's very important to kind of put all of your eggs in a couple of important baskets instead of just kind of throwing them out everywhere in the woods. And so if we pick and we can focus on specific areas that we want all of the pillars of our research agenda to move forward, then we're going to really make a difference we're going to take some specific topics and move them forward. We're going to move them forward with our with our small grants, maybe the NAN Summit. Maybe we'll look at those as far as publications or abstracts that we might want to accept at the annual conference or even what we want presented at the, the annual conferences. And I think by really focusing on specific pillars and specific topics, again, 
we can make a big difference and can move those specific topics forward much more quickly than if we invested in many, 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 many different separate projects. You know, what would be so cool, Medea, is if um, bedside nurses, if, if let's say, uh, you know, the topics or the themes for the next couple of years, uh, a, a bedside nurse in Connecticut, I, I don't know, um, was really- How about Milwaukee? Of, <laughs> Milwaukee. Or what about Nebraska? There you um, go. They, they had interests or expertise in one of the topics. I really want to encourage that bedside nurse listening right now to contact one of us. And um, I, cause I, I really do see risk um, really doing a lot of like maybe a, a cum- short communication in advances in neonatal care or um, a hot topic or, or something, some sort of a, a project of some, some type some type of project that we can do. Um, and so if there's, if you're interested in any of those topics that, um, that Nan is, is going to support, then please do reach out. I mean, you don't have to have a degree in, in something, um, to really be a part of, of Nan's risk and projects. Tiffany, do you have the list of the agenda item, the research agenda in front of you? So, you know, we have our upcoming risk meeting, and so we're going to really discuss some of the topics. But don't you think that uh, with our civil unrest right now, um, that a, a really good topic for the next couple of years would be health equity, health disparities? Um, I, I really think that that is something that the Nursing Research Committee has talked about. And I, I think that... Um, we're bringing to risk to say, Hey, this is one of the topics that we really want to focus on. So doing a white paper, doing a literature review and just having more awareness, um, as we all know, but we still need to know more. Definitely. And I think that really, um, folds into nursing expertise and, and how we can move this forward. Um, and I think one of the other things that I think people should reach out to risk is, we're really trying to focus on bringing knowledge on some of, of the applications for, for instance, how do you do an abstract? How do you, how do you make an abstract? Where do you start? If you got your abstract accepted, how do you do a poster? What does it mean to do a small grant application? Can I get a mentor? Can someone help me with this? And these are things that risk can help you with. We're trying to get some learning modules. We're trying to do some things at the annual conferences, record some sessions on how do you do these? Number one, you do this. Number two, you do this. Because sometimes I think it can be very overwhelming and intimidating, especially if you don't have support from someone in your facility that has done it before, that it can be very intimidating to start that process. And what we want our members of NAN is to feel comfortable with these processes to, if they need help with them, to contact risk, contact me, contact whoever is on any of the committees and ask them where can they get some help. And I think that is one of the focuses on risks is to bring that knowledge to our membership. Yeah, I believe risk has facilitated several different um online uh, webinars for um, information on how to write an abstract, how to um, 
you know, present and what you need in a poster presentation. So yeah, definitely risk has organized all of that. So if you have any questions, reach out to a NAN staff or, or any of us or any member on the risk. Exactly. We're also re we're redeveloping the research website on the NAN website. And so check back there, you know, like encourage nurses to check back there to see, you know, what's coming, what's ongoing and upcoming for research within the NAN community. Um, and I think that's going to be really rich in that agenda as well. And those topics that we choose um, to charge. And, and I think that's a good point. Um, if nurses say, you know, you guys have talked about this and you've talked about that, but I don't understand whatever. I don't understand how to do a small grant application. I don't even understand how to figure out the question. So maybe a good suggestion would be for us, you know, can we do a webinar on something that some of our members have questions about? So those types of suggestions would be, would be appreciated. We would, we would like that information. I know another great resource that nurses can use that are members of NAN is the NAN forum. Um, there's a lot of great discussion on there, a lot of research questions, uh, you know, what is your unit doing for this? What is your unit? And a lot of sharing of ideas. And I, I think that's a great way to connect to people that have the same interest as you or the same questions as you. And, you know, maybe you could um, team up with them and work on a on an evidence-based project or a QI initiative that would cover both units. Like how great is that to, you know, double, double the um, outcomes, you know? So that that's a great networking uh, area too. And there's also a lot of research on there as far as surveys that they're asking other NICU nurses. So it's a way to be involved in research and your experience and expertise to be used as well. So I, I encourage people to definitely um, spend some time on that forum and see if maybe some of your questions are on there or, or start a, a thread yourself. I think that's a very good point, especially I think we have become more and more aware of how easy it is to interact with people that don't live near us. And even doing research or putting in grants together or doing an abstract together, even if you live thousands of miles away, there's Zoom, there's other um, formats that you can, you can, it's like talking to them just face to face. And so collaboration is a very, very good way to do it. Maybe each one of you have specific strengths. You, you divide the work up and you're not as overwhelmed. And then you also have additional ways that you can spread that information. The good point. Thank you. So Leslie, we've kind of talked a little bit about your research or it's been mentioned here and there, but I really want to hear more about uh, your, your research program and what all you study and look at and what you've learned. Well, it's, I, I, I often struggle to figure out when people say, well, what do you research? Because I have really two specific areas that I, that I research, um, where I started was I wanted to do research on giving breast milk, how to increase the amount of breast milk available for very low birth weight infants. And I got really more interested and I'm still, that's kind of my thing. I really like that, but I got more and more opportunities to study different types of feeding and nutritional interventions in very low birth weight and critically ill infants. 
So when I'm looking at my lactation, I'm look, still looking at interventions to increase maternal milk production so that the very low birth weight infant has increased amounts of breast milk. So we've studied when do you initiate milk expression? We're looking at how do you get moms to pump more often? We're looking at how can you teach family members instead of having that nurse help the mom with that first expression after delivery? Can the dad do it? Can the grandma do it? The sister do it? Can someone else do it? It's not, it's not rocket science. It's, you know, you get the pump, you put it on and let's go. Um, we're actually right now studying, it's very interesting, we're studying the immune response of um, COVID vaccines in breast milk of lactating women. So we're looking at what is the antibody response that is going into the breast milk. So we're looking at before and after in blood and breast milk. Um, we're also looking at can we make mom's own donor milk like mom's own milk. So if we pasteurize donor milk, it kills the microbiome, it kills the bacteria. And that's very important because we don't want nasty bacteria in our breast milk, but it also kills the good bacteria. And so what we're seeing if we can do is can we just pour a little bit of mother's own milk into donor milk, let it sit for an hour, and can that microbiome that is from the mother's own milk populate the donor human milk. And we've been very successful with that, which is very exciting. So if you have a mom that's only producing 20 cc's in a day, we can make that 20 cc's and we can pro we can really extend that time that we're using it and inoculate that donor human milk and make it more like mom's own milk. So that's really kind of what we're doing with, with lactation. And speaking of diversity, we're also really want to focus on black moms. And so we know that very low birth weight infants don't receive as much of their own milk. African-American babies don't receive as much of their own milk. So we know that there's differences in the experiences of African-American and white mothers as far as lactation is concerned and lactating infants in the NICU. So what are those differences? How can we intervene and make an intervention that is more specific to African-American women? So we're trying to learn about those differences. What, where is that niche? What would make a big difference in that population? Um, so we're looking, that's kind of the lactation part. The, the feeding, what we're focusing on right now is when I, when I was looking in my unit, I was saying, what kind of questions do we have about our care? And what I found was, is people didn't know how often to change their feeding tubes. We didn't know. And so I did a survey of the country and nobody really knew. They had protocols, but the protocols were based on nothing. So I decided, let's figure this out. And so we're right now doing a study saying, how long should these feeding tubes stay in place? And we're looking at the bacteria inside the feeding tube. We're looking at the microbiome of the intestine, the microbiome of the stomach, the microbiome of the mouth. And we're looking at, can we make a difference by changing them more often? Will that help infant health? Um, and what I would like to move into is what I, the next thing I don't think we know about is oral care. Like 
if you go, if you talk to those adult people, they're like, yeah, we have this oral care and we're like, boom, boom, boom. What do we do in the unit? Some people just wipe the mouth. Some people do it every three hours. Some people do all of this colostrum over the tongue and up and around the mouth. And some people just suction it. So we don't have a good protocol for that. What should we be using? How often? And how should we be doing it? So that's my next my next thought. That was a lot of talk. I'm sorry. I no, love it. it. I that's I incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm geeking out over here. <laughs> it's so impressive. If that doesn't inspire people to want to start their own research journey, I, I don't know. I mean... I'm joining your team. I want to learn about the donor breast milk, adding the mother's breast milk. Wow. So we're going to have a lot of people contacting you to see if they can join you with that. I would love that. I would love that. And I do have to say that I, the one regret I have in my career is not starting my research career earlier because I thought research was boring and I thought I would never, ever, ever do it. And I, then I started doing clinical asking questions at the bedside. And that became so fascinating to me that I, I love it. But if you'd asked me when I got out of my master's program, I'd be like, never. So I think that looking at how exciting research can be is important for um, all nurses to really consider. And it's, it's exciting, but it's feasible. I think, you know, nurses have great ideas and they want it, but then they're like, I have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's feasible. That's why you phone a friend, right? <laughs> it's more like email a friend, but. <laughs> or Zoom a what friend. It's exactly, exactly. This is <laughs> why we're doing this podcast series. You know, like we're trying to get that point across that you have the questions we have, you know, we have the resources to help you. This was such a great conversation. We talked about so many things that really were our vision for this podcast, right, Tiffany? Like, we really wanted to get this, all of these messages out there. And we're, yes, we're only at the beginning still. I know. I mean... <laughs> I mean, just the the research part alone, like, you know, what Leslie is doing with her research and then, you know, add in the COVID-19 part and then add in the agenda. This is amazing. Just amazing. And, and I think one of the fun things about being in the NICU is if we were working with adults, they've been taking care of adults for hundreds of years. They have so many of their questions already answered. But neonatology has been around since the late 70s. And, and we've only been taking care of teeny, teeny, tiny babies for like a couple of decades. And so we have questions that they've already answered in the adults, but we have nothing. We're just flying by the seat of our pants. So there's so much work to do. Excellent point. Very good point. Well, I hope everybody listening has been empowered and inspired to start their research journey. And hopefully we took a little of the scary parts of research out and you realize that it is obtainable. It is feasible. I'm excited to continue this series with Medea and Tiffany, but I want to thank you, Leslie, so much for inspiring us all and sharing your research and, and telling us what Nan is doing to move forward nursing research. 
So I wanted to say thank you. I have enjoyed this and I really want to encourage for people to reach out to any one of us, um, any of the members of risk or to myself with any questions or anything that they want to talk about. I'm always happy. I love sharing um, what I do with other people. So feel free anytime to contact me. And thank you so much. I have enjoyed this discussion and it's been invigorating. There is so much to cover within the realm of research and the conversation can't end here. To keep the discussion going, make sure you subscribe to NANCAST so you never miss an episode of our research series. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks for your support and letting us into your ears. Have a great day.